Welcome to the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. Well, the Supreme Court is hearing arguments in just a few minutes in Trump v. Anderson, the appeal from the president of the Colorado Supreme Court's decision finding him ineligible to appear on the state's ballot under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. This is this will have ramifications if the Supreme Court is not careful for the rest of the Republic shall it live very much longer. Uh, We're going to listen in on the oral arguments as they happen live. Uh, We also have the two parents that claim to have lost their children to the state, uh, their daughter, uh, to the state because their daughter is saying she's a he and wants to transition. And they say that goes against everything we believe in. The state took the daughter away. But the state says, no, 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 not because of that. Well, is there corruption in a uh, Department of you know, Child and Family Services? Is that possible? We've seen that before because the governor, a Republican, is standing against the parents. We want to hear their side, and we've invited the governor on to come on and tell us his side, too. I don't know what exactly is happening in this case, but something doesn't smell right. We'll get into that as well. Court case begins. 60 seconds. Stand by. First, let me tell you about our uh, sponsor this half hour. It's Real Estate Agents I Trust. Teamworks. Teamwork makes dream work, people. Come on, people. Let's do dream work. That's a phrase that, uh, you know, could apply now in the real estate game. Buying and selling a home is difficult enough during the normal economic times. And I think we can agree these are not normal economic times. You need somebody who is solid, who knows the area, who knows the houses and what they're worth in the area you're moving into or out of, knows the best practices. That's why I started a company called Real Estate Agents I Trust. When you contact us, we find you the best agents in your area and connect you to them. If we don't know your area, we're not going to recommend. So find out. All you have to do is just email us at uh, realestateagentsitrust.com. You just go to the website. You just tell us what you're looking for, You know where you're moving from and to, and we'll help connect you with the best in those areas. realestateagentsitrust.com. Free service to you, realestateagentsitrust.com. Mr. Pat Gray joins me again for the vacationing Stuber Gear, who seems to be on some sort of, I don't know, French schedule or something, but uh, glad to have you here, Pat. <laughs> Good to be here. Yeah. Very excited. Uh, so um, we're just, uh, I was just talking Pat off the ledge during the break. Um, he was, I mean, I thought, I thought, you know, if Putin was behind him, he could push him right out the window right now and Pat would be dead mm-hmm. because he was on the ledge I was. And, and saying there's no hope. Well, we were just watching uh, uh, Molly Hemingway speak right. about uh, the things in her book, Rigged, how the media, big tech and the Democrats seized our elections. Right. And here's here's what we were listening to for Blaze News at the top of the hour. Listen, instead of having election administration that is rigorously nonpartisan and impartial under the law, we have allowed the private takeover 
of government election offices by partisan oligarchs and their armies of activists who use those offices and their authorities to tilt the election toward favored candidates. Instead of voters being able to vote for the candidate of their choice, powerful interests backed by wealthy oligarchs are working to remove the most popular candidate and the ruling party's chief opponent from the ballot in a move reminiscent of Soviet Russia. And if that weren't enough, instead of the top candidates chosen by the people being able to fully engage in a vigorous campaign heading into an election, we have one side actively attempting to throw its opponent in prison and bankrupt his family. Again, mm-hmm. reminiscent of Soviet Russia. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So Pat wasn't feeling real optimistic after that. No. No, because what yeah. she said is is true. True. That, that is happening. Yeah, it is. It is happening. So... But here is the thing. First of all, it hasn't happened. If the uh, if the election is close, you can throw it um, one way or the other. You could throw it. If the election is, you know, five to ten points out, you can't throw that without being very, very obvious. Um, this is this. The, what we're looking at is an election. We don't even know if this is going to be the election. We don't know if Joe Biden mm. Uh, is even going to be the candidate. I think there's growing evidence that he's not. And the oral arguments that are being heard right now in the Supreme Court, in fact, can we bring this up? By altering the Constitution's qualifications for federal office. This is live in the Supreme Court. Is no different from a state residency law that requires members of Congress to inhabit the state prior to Election Day when the Constitution requires only that members of Congress inhabit the state that they represent when elected. In both situations, a state is accelerating the deadline to meet a constitutionally imposed qualification and is thereby violating the holding of term limits. And in this situation, a ruling from this court that affirms the decision below would not only violate term limits, but take away the votes of potentially tens of millions of Americans. I welcome okay, the so this questions. is the this is the uh, uh, president's Smith, attorney, you, uh, President Trump. Uh, you didn't uh, um, spend much time. Uh, Clarence Thomas's voice with respect to whether or not Section three is self-executing. So would you address that? And, and in doing that, um, your argument is that it's not self-executing. But then in that case, what would the role of the state be? Uh, uh, or is it entirely up to Congress to implement uh, the disqualification uh, in Section 3? It is entirely up to Congress, Justice Thomas, and our argument goes beyond actually saying that Section 3 is non-self-executing. We need to say something more than that, because a non-self-executing treaty or a non-self-executing constitutional provision normally can still be enforced by a state if it chooses to enact legislation. The holding of Griffin's case goes beyond even that by saying that a state is not allowed to implement or enforce Section 3 of the 14th Amendment unless and until Congress enacts implementing legislation allowing it to do so. So under Griffin's case, which we believe is correctly decided, the Anderson litigants disagree with us on that point, but if this court were to adhere to the holding of Griffin's case, there would not be any role for the states in enforcing Section 3 unless Congress were to enact a statute that gives them that authority. Counsel, um, okay. So let me explain what they're talking about. They're talking about, and by the way, I want to get back to Pat's hope. First of all, there's hope here. Um, Second of all, more importantly, I do know the one thing I know about God 
is that there is no waste in his uh, doings. Okay, there's nothing wasted. I wasted most of my life, but he took all the bad things that I did and turned them around on me to where it's actually helped me now that I'm on the right track. So there's no waste. Every loss is another uh, another step closer to his vision being executed. And you have to remember that because at the end, you'll look at this and go, how did that happen? How did that happen? Uh, and the answer will be God. Okay, now, Section 3. This is the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. No person shall, uh, shall be a senator, representative of Congress, or elector of president and vice president, or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who has previously taken an oath as a member to Congress or as an officer in the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial offer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such a disability. So the Constitution says, if you have given aid and comfort or you've engaged in an insurrection, and they're saying that Donald Trump engaged in an insurrection. However, nowhere, nowhere in any law in the United States are you guilty until proven innocent. You have you can make the charge, but that doesn't make it true. And of all of the litigations, all, everything that is being filed in court, how many of them? 7,000 different court cases coming against him. Not one is charging him with insurrection. Not one. Or rebellion. Or giving aid and comfort. Not one. Why? Because they know they can't win that. So the argument, one of the arguments is, the state can't say this. This, First of all, it, it has to be uh, charged. And then the Constitution says that if that's who he is, if that's what they did, then he can't serve. But Congress can vote to remove that, should they care to. This was all because of the Civil War. Uh, this is an old-timey law that has mm-hmm. never applied since the Civil War. Just want you to know. It was, it was set up for the Confederacy. Yes. So they yes. wouldn't retake power in the United Correct. States. And, Correct. And they're trying to use it against Donald Trump, a guy who they just throw out the word insurrection about, and then that's supposed to scare all the states to take him off the ballot. But it's not to that's scare not how it the works. states. Anyway. This, is, this is all coordinated. There, there's a billion yep. dollars at least behind all of this stuff, and it's very well coordinated. They're, they're trying to ca- cause chaos. That's mm-hmm. the first thing. They're trying to challenge everything to make it impossible to be a supporter of Trump or to be Donald Trump or to ever want to be like Donald Trump and stand against the machine. They're trying to make it absolutely impossible and teach everyone, we are going to tie you in court until you're either in jail, dead, or broke. <coughs> but we'll break mm-hmm. you. That's what the state is trying to do right now. And when I say the state, I actually mean the leftist organizations and the and Molly had it right. The oligarchs that 
that are part of this this cabal to change the way America works. And this is going to have far reaching ramifications. This is not good. Not good. That's why why the the Supreme Court needs to rule correctly on this uh, for a change. I mean, it's been I know it's been tough, even with the so-called conservative court. uh, Some of the decisions they made are far from conservative. Right. So they're they're arguing now Trump should be removed from the ballot because Mm. of his alleged role in recruiting, inciting and encouraging a violent mob. Wow. Uh, then they told the Supreme Court in the brief, the president, former president fails to even acknowledge the most damning evidence against him. Take me into a court of law. Mm-hmm. Um, so Trump, his counter is officer of the United States. He did not engage in insurrection. Only Congress can enforce Section three. That's what he was saying. Uh, just making that case a minute ago. The amendment, the amendment only prohibits holding office rather than appearing on the ballot, uh, and that uh, the ruling violates uh, Colorado's election code. So it says he can't serve. It doesn't say he can't run. Uh, no prosecutor has attempted to charge President Trump with insurrection under uh, the U.S. code in the three years since January 6, 2021. They don't think that, that this is going to be the strongest case. I think it is, but... I'm not an attorney, Um, but they think that it will be on uh, he the section three. The amendment only prohibits holding office, not running and being on a ballot. They think that that's the one that they're going to do because they want to make it very, very narrow. So it doesn't affect anything but this case. Can we listen in a little bit more? It did away with it later, but at- but but that has nothing to say with respect to what section. So Sotomayor, can we get to the issue, which is I think a one that I go back to that I started with, um, and and very briefly, what sense does it say that states can't enforce section three against their own officials? I mean, I, I think a lot. Logically, those are two separate issues in my mind. Can states enforce the insurrection clause against their own office holders, or can they enforce it against uh, federal officials, or can they enforce it against the president? Those are all three different questions in my mind. And the, the answer to all three of those questions turns on whether this court agrees with the holding of Griffin's case. If Griffin's case is the proper enunciation of the law, then a state cannot do any of the things Your Honor suggested unless Congress gives it authority to do so. So a non-presidential decision that relies on policy doesn't look at the language, doesn't look at the history, doesn't analyze anything than the disruption that such a suit would bring, you want us to credit as presidential. Because Congress relied on Griffin's case when it enacted the Enforcement Act of 1870 and established... So, Mr. Mitchell, if I may interrupt, but just to clarify, I mean, this sounds like your reply brief, where it sounds like you're not making a constitutional argument. You're really making a statutory preemption argument. And is that is that what you're doing here? You're not saying that the Constitution this is Elena gives Kagan. you this rule. It's the kind of combination of... Griffin's case plus the way Congress 
acted after Griffin's case yes. that gives you the rule? That's exactly right, Justice Kagan, because we have implementing legislation. Congress took up the invitation provided by Griffin's case and established writs of quo warranto in the 1870 Enforcement Act, later repealed them. The only enforcement legislation that's currently on the books is the insurrection criminal statute, Section 2383. And when Congress made all of these decisions, the initial enactment of the Enforcement Act in 1870, the repeal of the quo warranto provisions in 1948, all mm. of those were made with Griffin's case as the backdrop. The Please. Well, the understanding was that these congressionally established remedies would be exclusive of state court remedies. So there's not an express statement of preemption in these statutes, but there didn't need to be because Griffin's case provided the backdrop. And if I could just understand the argument a little bit better, suppose that we took all of that away. You know, suppose there were no Griffin's case and there were no subsequent congressional enactment. What do you then think the rule would be? So in just as a matter of first principles without Griffin's case, it's a much harder argument for us to make because normally... I mean, every other provision of the 14th Amendment has been treated as self-executing. What we would argue in that hypothetical that Your Honor has suggested is that there are practical considerations unique to Section 3 that counsel in favor of a rule similar to what Chief Justice Chase spelled out in Griffin's case. And it goes to, I think, the policy concerns he talks about, where this was a case, Griffin's case So involved. they really seem to be pressing. Now, again, we've wow. heard the two liberal uh, judges, but they are, are pressing uh, the Trump uh, uh, lawyers quite hard. Yeah. I'm reading about the Griffin case. I can't make heads or tails of it. Uh, um, quick shorthand, but we do have um, after the court case, which should last here in the you know end by oh end in at least probably an hour. Um, we have um, uh, we have um, Alan Dershowitz on with us just a second, uh, and he's going to he's watching it right now, and he's going to be giving us his notes on what he thinks it all means coming up in just a little while. Stand by first. Please let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's the Berna launcher. I have it. It's a great compliment to firearms. There are situations when less lethal is the way to go. Berna is the best alternative to apply deadly force. Um, it fires powerful deterrence like tear gas and kinetic rounds. I'll tell you, uh, I had a situation once where my teenager was, my son was sneaking around in the middle of the night and Tanya heard something and she freaked out and she's like, somebody's in the house. And he had opened the back garage door to get, you know, something out of the freezer in the garage. And so she's like, the garage door's been open too. So somebody's in the house. So I grabbed my gun and I go out. Now, mm -hmm. Rafe didn't want to get caught. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm coming around and I said, I'm, I hear you. I know somebody is in the house. Please announce yourself. Nobody said anything. And then I finally said, cause I knew it's right around this corner. And I said, I have a gun. I fear for the life of my family and I, um, identify yourself or I will shoot. And that's when Rafe went, dad, it's me. <laughs> I mean, it, it was the Man. scariest thing. I could have killed Man. him. I could have killed him. That's when I wish I had a burner launcher because I think mm -hmm. when he said that I would have hit him with the tear gas. I would, I would have been. I would. Oh, it's you! Boom. Anyway, Berna is proudly American, made in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and it is a less than lethal uh, alternative. Uh, you need your guns, but this also is really great. Uh, Berna b y r n a dot com slash glenn Berna dot com slash glenn get an exclusive ten percent discount Berna. Dot com slash Glenn. Ten seconds station ID. Come right out with the, uh, the court case. Pat, do you want to make any comments? Mm-hmm. Primary. Back to the Wouldn't Supreme Court. Wouldn't that be Court. adding an additional qualification 
for serving this is for Samuel president. Alito. He must have been uh, free from this disqualification at an earlier point in time than Section 3 specifies. I think the answer to your question, Justice Alito, depends on how you interpret the word enforce in Section 5. And some members of this court, such as Justice Scalia, thought that enforce means you can do nothing more than enact legislation that mirrors the 14th Amendment's self-executing requirements, and you can't go an inch beyond that. That's not the current jurisprudence of this court. No, well, or right, allow us to decide whether it's congruent and proportional, right. and we would get into the question of whether that would be congruent and proportional. Well, let me shift gear What do you think? I, I, you, you I, to, to I don't understand right, why nobody's talking about the fact that how can you enforce this clause against someone who hasn't been tried, let alone convicted of insurrection? How is it even an issue? Yeah. I don't even I don't understand that. How, why I aren't they arguing that? Because I think that goes back to the Griffin case. The Griffin case um, was about this person that was in a conspiracy, you know, for the uh, Civil War. Yeah. Um, upheld the federal uh, conviction, um, no matter what happened at a lower case, I think. But we're going to get Alan Dershowitz All right. uh, on in a minute. Glenn Beck. Hmm. Uh, all right, let me uh, let me tell you about our sponsor, and we thank you so much uh, for listening. And sponsors like Relief Factor make all the difference in the world. Uh, we we don't answer to anybody but you, and our sponsors are great because they've never they've been with us forever. Relief Factor. Jim wrote in about his experience with Relief Factor. He said, "I used to have extreme lower back pain. Nothing I tried really touched it." Then I heard about Relief Factor and decided to give it a try. Relief Factor worked so well and so quickly, it eliminated the pain, allowing me to function better than I ever had before. Thank you so much, Relief Factor. Jim, I know what you mean, what it means to be in pain and the relief that comes when you get out. This is a daily supplement that helps your body fight the pain by fighting inflammation. So see how Relief Factor can help you. They have a three-week quick start kit. I love this because they say, just try it for three weeks. If it's not working for you in any way in three weeks, it's probably not going to work for you. But 70% of the people go on to order it month after month. And they have a feel better, your money back guarantee. ReliefFactor.com. 800-4-RELIEF. ReliefFactor.com. Don't forget to use the promo code GLEN30 to get $30 off your subscription. BlazeTV.com. The Krista and Todd Kolstad family in Glasgow, Montana, is accusing the state of Montana, the Child Protective Services, of kidnapping their chi- their uh, teenage daughter after the girl began to identify as a transgender boy. The uh, child's stepmother, Krista, explains the nightmare began August of 23 after they received a call that their 14-year-old daughter, Jennifer, had expressed suicidal ideations while at school. Later on the same evening, a caseworker with the Montana Child and Family Services showed up at the Colstad home to speak with Jennifer and do an inspection of the home. During the interview with CFS, Jennifer claimed to have consumed toilet bowl cleaner and painkiller medications that day in an effort to commit suicide. Krista said that it immediately struck her as being highly unlikely. Not only did Jennifer not have access to other substance you know, these kinds of substance unmonitored, but Jennifer had expressed no symptoms of imminent illness that day. 
Despite the doubts, uh, Krista and Todd agreed to take Jennifer to the local hospital on an emergency basis. They found uh, in all the blood work and everything else, she had not consumed any of these things. Copies of the medical paperwork to substantiate their claim that Jennifer had not consumed any of the dangerous substances confirms that there were no ab- uh, abnormalities detected in her system. Her physical health was good. However, there is uh, they consistently mention that Jennifer identifies as a male and wishes to be called Leo. Krista says she and Todd immediately made their objections to the hospital staff known They're supposed to call her by her birth name. We were very clear in the emergency room uh, that this goes against our values, our morals, our religious beliefs. They told me to call a lawyer if I have an issue because they're going to do what the patient tells them to do. Uh, Then uh, she said we came in and our our daughter was talking about having top surgery and being non-binary. She took her complaint to the on-duty doctor who dismissed her. He told me. Why are you not more concerned that your daughter trying to harm herself than what the aide is talking about with her? They then tried to switch her out of state to Wyoming. There are six facilities in Montana that she could go to. Uh, they had a facility in Wyoming. The family looked it up, looked like kids were allowed to have procedures done and hormones without parental consent. So when the hospital called, they said, we have an opening in Wyoming and she needs to go there. Um, quote, she has to go. She's not doing any good here. End quote. The parent said, not on your life. That's when things got ugly. Uh, they showed up. CP, uh, CFS showed up at their home to serve us with papers to take Jennifer out of our care. According to Krista, they told me the reason was we were unable or refusing to provide medical care. That's not true. Now, the Republican governor has come out against the family and honestly i don't understand this they keep saying well we you know we we don't take you know children out of the home if it's just a transgender thing but yeah i get that but i'm looking at the document immediate threat to danger uh there's nothing checked except child needs medical attention and parents are unwilling to perform parental duties so that's the loophole Is this an out-of-control state agency or what's happening? We have both of the parents on with us now. I can't imagine being you guys. Krista and Todd Kolstad, thank you for coming on the program. Thanks for having us. We appreciate it. So, Krista, what do you why did the governor come out uh, in defense of this? You know, I I don't have an answer for that. There's no reason for him to. It's not hard to say I made a mistake or this shouldn't have happened and apologize. Um, I really don't know why he's coming out against us. Todd? Todd, are you there? Yes, I am. Yeah. Is there any, any idea in your mind? Is there anything that is happening or has happened in your home that... We don't know about. Absolutely not. It's as simple as that. Um, we keep going back to what the guardian ad litem said that they sent to our house. He saw that everything was fine. We have a very nice home, uh, a very comfortable life. And she flat out told us, she asked if we were going to be willing to raise our daughter as a boy with the transgender care. And she said, if we aren't, then she said, we're not going to like what she has to say in court. And that is exactly how it went. Now, you got a call just recently that 
Um, she's not in Montana. She's in Canada. So they moved her across yeah. state lines and then out of the country to her mother, who, if I'm not mistaken, and please correct me if I'm wrong, there's been some uh, issues with mom as well in the past. Is that true? That is true. Um, there is some documented some documents that we submitted from counselors and whatnot supporting our claims. And then also, um, you know, her birth mom just wasn't really involved in her life in the last seven years, N- never called her, never visited or anything like that. So this is really a stranger to her. And so we, we do have some great concerns that and the fact that I believe Canada, you know, operates on a whole different system oh, yeah. as far as transgender care. So we have some great concerns about her being there. Did you yeah, have joint and, custody or, or yeah. did you did have joint custody? Okay. You were going to say, Todd? There wasn't, oh, there was no custody battle with them. We were on speaking terms with them. Um, So there was no problem with that. There was CPS is the ones that initiated the contact with her in Canada and then started pushing to send her there. So what do you have remaining to, to do? What can you do from here? Well, we, we're getting more lawyers involved. Um, we're challenging the, the gag order based on our First Amendment freedom of speech rights, and we're continuing to speak out. We, we just want other families to be aware, and by bringing light to our situation, we're hoping that we can help others, and this doesn't happen to another family. So, um, you know, we've, I've seen the documents from the state, uh, mm-hmm. and the state... Uh, and the governor say that's not the reason why she was taken out of the house. So this is and, uh, you know, I I'm really uncomfortable because I, we can't find anything bad on you guys. Um, and the state kind of it feels kind of like they they're saying, well, we got something else here and we just can't tell you. And I I mean, it it makes it hard. Have you have you guys tried to engage uh, some of these, you know, law firms that are are out there to help parents like you. Why do you have a public defender still? Well, we are interviewing lawyers currently, so yes, we are engaged with these lawyers and trying to get different legal representation. So Todd? to better answer that, to better answer that, the world's not has changed drastically when it comes to finding an attorney. When you blindly look, start Googling areas, family law, you have to find an attorney that can practice in your state. Almost all of them are scheduling um, first consultations like eight months out. That's how busy they are. And then when they hear that's the state, they don't want to get involved. So it's, it's yeah, but far. Th- this one is, I mean, the Thomas More Society. I mean, there are places that you can call and maybe you just didn't know about them. But there are big organiza- organizations that take these cases and they they move rapidly when it comes to children because, you know, seven months is a long time with a child. Um, and so uh, I, I'm wondering, have you been contacted by anybody or can, you know, we'll give you the phone numbers because that that's um, I, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I have not heard of the Thomas More Society, so I will definitely look them up and get in contact with them. But several agencies have um, contacted us and we the from what I understand and, and I'm not a lawyer. So from what I understand, the way it works is if they don't practice in Montana, then they have to find a lawyer that does practice in Montana, and then they become the co-counsel. So the issue is um, they're having a lot of time, 
a hard time finding lawyers that practice in Montana that are willing to take this on with them. Pat is from the great state of Montana. Pat, what do you know mm-hmm. about this governor? Uh, almost nothing. You know, I haven't lived in Montana for yeah. forty I know, some I years. I didn't know but if it... Yeah, I, I I don't know uh, virtually anything about him. Um, uh, you know, Montana is perceived to be a, a Republican state, but they elect Democrats on a fairly yeah. regular basis. Yeah. Uh, and so maybe this guy ha- has uh, rhino tendencies. I don't know. How do you guys know. feel about your governor? Um, we're very disappointed <clears throat> in the way that this is being handled. Um, he's never his he's never reached out to us. The um, oh. Kristen Juris, I think her name is, the, the one that he tasked into looking into our case. She called me personally, and she just said, I'm going to look at your case, and then I never heard from her again. So I don't feel like mm. there's a lot of action on their part. Mm. Well, we have uh, asked the governor to come. I think we have. If not, he's invited now, and our producers will be reaching out again. Uh, we have been in touch with the, the governor's office, um, and... Uh, you know, there was a there was something here that I was sent that talks about uh, that you are because you guys said no uh, to sending her to uh, Wyoming, which I think I would have too. Uh, yeah, well, state of Montana is limited in disclosing the specifics of cases involving minor children in its care. Due to the sensitive nature, broadly speaking, the state does not remove minors from homes to provide gender transition services or to use taxpayer funds to pay for those services while a minor is in the custody of the state. But your child's not in the custody of the state. Um, Child Protective Services. Furthermore, the governor has asked the Department of Public Health and Human Services to codify a formal policy and develop regulation to clarify and ensure the definition of abuse or neglect does not include a parent's right to refuse to provide gender transition services to his or her minor. So Mm. he's suggesting policy, but we also have, um, you know, I have seen the Department of Health uh, CFSD does not investigate nor remove children based solely on allegations that parents oppose and will not allow their child who has gender dysphoria to transition genders. So I think that's very consistent with what they're telling you, but I feel that that's a massive loophole. They're yeah. leaning on uh, that. Yes. If um, you would like me to comment on that? Yes, go ahead. Okay, so right from the get-go, from day one at the hospital, they immediately had a nurse saying that talking about getting top surgery in front of our daughter, they immediately started calling her a boy, immediately. And they started, mm. um, we turned in complaints, but it was immediate. And um, there was, when, it, when they said that they were going to have a bed for her in Billings, we knew immediately before that 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 was not going to happen because they kept um, looking at our daughter with an unspoken language, like almost assuring her it was going to be Wyoming. So we knew they were going to pull that part. Okay. And, and Wyoming allows the transgendering without parental approval on anything, where Montana, the Dakotas, um, Idaho, those states do not. We were okay. able to stand right there and Google that. So let me, because uh, I've only got a minute left, let me read this statement. Sure. This came from the Valley County Attorney. 
Um, had the motion been granted, Todd Cole says legal rights as a parent would have remained fully intact. The state of Montana would have no more involvement in his relationship with his child. Mr. Kolstad and his wife objected to dismissal and, regret, uh, and requested the state remain involved. Any statement made otherwise is false and inaccurate. Um, well, if we could respond to that. When we were in the courtroom that day, we asked that the birth mother's home be investigated as a safe place for, because they, they said no matter what, they're going to send her to Canada. And so we had asked that they investigate the birth mom and make sure that that was a safe place for a child to go. And we, we explained our concerns and we even had documentation supporting those concerns. So that's not exactly true. We would love to have children's services out of our life. Our lawyers, who are our public defenders still, at the time said, this is, um, let them investigate the birth mom on the record. And so we were told that that's all that they were doing. We didn't understand that we were, you know, hanging out with CPS for another six months. Further, they've asked us to go to marriage counseling to um, accept our daughter's transgenderism. (laughs) Okay. All right, guys, we're going to follow this story. Thank you. We'll probably talk again. Thank you so much. And we're praying for you and and especially your daughter that the right thing uh, happens. Thank you. We'll be in touch. Thank Thank you. you. You bet. Uh, rough greens. Mindy wrote her dog's experience of rough greens. She said, it's about a month since I got rough greens for my dog Polo, six-year-old Manchester Terrier mix. I can't believe the difference. He always has a sensitive stomach. For the past year, he wouldn't eat his breakfast until he ate grass first, and the rest wasn't pretty. Anyway, I heard you talk about rough greens. Glenn decided to give it a try the next day, and ever since, no more grass eating. Everything's back to normal. Thank you. This Rough Greens is an amazing supplement that you put on your dog's food. And they want to send you the first bag free. It's a trial bag. 833-GLEN-33. Just see if your dog will eat it. Then, as you watch over time, you will, you will be amazed, I think, at the difference in your dog. First trial bag is free. You just pay for shipping. Call 833-GLEN-33, 833-GLEN-N-33, or roughgreens.com slash Beck. You're listening to the swinging sounds of Glenn Beck. Sit tight, boys and girls. We'll be right back after these messages. So the... uh you know, the one that was in uh, Carano uh, versus uh, Chris Cyborg, Strike Force. Uh, you know, I could have taken both of them, but I don't want to get into that when Gina gets on. I don't, I mm-hmm. don't want to say, mm-hmm. oh, that's a cute little fight women do, because right. I could take you. <laughs> I, I mean, oh, I'd yeah. take you to the movies or yeah. someplace. Right. Uh, but uh, anyway, Gina Carano is on with us uh, next. She is now suing uh, Disney, and so nothing could make me happier. So great. So great. I'm in love with that. I mean, uh, she got fired from Disney for expressing her viewpoint on uh, on Twitter, right? And yeah, right. I mean, somebody had yeah. said the same thing virtually just for t- against the other side of the political spectrum. The co-star. Yeah. The co-star. Yes. And she really was kind of the star of that. They yeah, were she talking was. She about... Was good. She was really yeah, good in that. And they were talking about spinning it off and having her right. own show. Yeah. Her career was over because she said the same thing except applied to the other side as her co-star did, who survived. Yeah. Didn't have a problem with that, did he? Yeah. 
Uh, we're going to talk to her next because this lawsuit involving Elon Musk, he's paying for it. <laughs> next.